Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hi, this is Joseph Matera. I hope you're ready for the word. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless this word. Help us to understand it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about the prayer of Jesus, the high priestly prayer of Jesus found in John 17. And the focus is for oneness, for oneness. My objective is to allow the Lord to knit us together in the local church. Some questions to ask ourselves. Are you tired of trying to make it through life on your own? Do you want to grow and mature in Christ? And are you willing to allow the church to have a stronger place in your life to accelerate your growth? In this day and age, there's so much strife, confusion, chaos, and division. And the church is supposed to be a model of oneness and unity. Satan has many strategies and methods but he has only one goal for the church, and that is to sow division amongst its members. There's so many people fighting against each other. Churches are even splitting over the issues of racial tension and uh, who they're voting for, and they're calling each other out on social media. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be. And the reason why Satan focuses on division in the church is because that's the only way he can defeat the church. Because Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, but a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so his number one goal for your local church and for the body of Christ is to divide us. He'll divide us along racial lines, biblical lines, you know, theological lines, political lines, anything he could, even what color the, the carpet is. There are elders and deacons fighting over the color of the chairs and the carpet in, in certain churches I've heard about. Thank God, not in ours. Uh, and they'd split over petty things. But a lot of this is driven by an unseen evil force led by Satan. And so what we want to learn from the prayer of Jesus, which was the high priestly prayer of John 17 that he prayed before he was crucified, we want to learn how his main concern was not the devil, and it wasn't even evangelism, but his main concern was the oneness of the church because he said that oneness was the key to evangelism and to prove to the world that Jesus was sent by the Father. So let's go to John 17. We're going to start with verse 14. We're not going to read the whole chapter. I would encourage you all to read this chapter. It's one of the greatest chapters in the Bible teaches, teaches us about the relationship between a father and son, about spiritual authority, about being sent, about submission, uh, about unity. It's amazing. Well, we're going to start with verse 14. And in the middle of this chapter, in the midst of this prayer, Jesus says, I've given them, meaning the apostles, your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And so basically, Jesus is admitting in prayer that we need to unify, because that's the context of this prayer, 
because the whole world is against the gospel and against the biblical worldview. The world hates us. They don't just have a little dissatisfaction with us, but by and large, the world system is antithetical to the kingdom of God. And so we're called to live in the world, but not be of the world or live like the world. Verse 15, Jesus goes on. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. I mean, people will say, hey, I want to move away to uh, the rural area, buy myself a farm. I want to run away from conflict. But Jesus said, no, I don't want you to run from conflict. I'm not praying that my father takes you out of the world, but that he keeps you from the evil one. We're not to have an escape mentality, but an engaging mentality. We're not to escape the world, but to engage and help bring transformation to the world. So God hasn't called us to isolate ourselves during this great time of testing, but he's called us to be a witness and a light and to take a strong stand in the world for the gospel. In verse 16, he says, for they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So we're to be like Christ, sanctify them, through the truth, your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. Wow. And for their sakes, I sanctify or I hollow myself that they may be sanctified by the truth. And so we see here that as God sent Jesus, Jesus is now sending us. And we will be prepared to be sent to be his witnesses by the truth, which is the word of God. The more the word of God we have inside of us, the more set apart and sanctified we are. And then we also understand how we were born physically, but truly we were sent into the world. So the reason why we're here is not by accident or happenstance because we happen to have parents that produced us based on this particular passage, believers were sent, not merely born. That's deep. Verse 20, he says, I don't pray for these alone, meaning for the apostles and disciples who were there physically with him in the prayer area, but for those who will believe in me through their word. Thank God he was now praying for us, for everybody who was going to believe on Christ through the writings and teachings of the apostles that we have in the word of God through the gospels and the epistles. And his prayer in verse 21 is that they all may be one, not even unified, but one, as you, Father, are, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So Jesus said here, the key to winning the world is the oneness of the church. It's not just having more tracts and Bible translations and radio stations and television stations. Those are all good and very essential, but that's not going to work if the church is not unified and walking in oneness. And so he prayed for oneness. There's a difference between oneness and unity. Unity is more of a temporal thing based on a cause but oneness is a heart, mind, and soul connection, as we see in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. It says, none of the believers said that what they had were themselves, but they were of one heart and one soul. 
So as we contrast unity and oneness, unity is a process. It could become the catalyst for oneness. If we don't come together, let's say to church on Sunday, God could never use anything as a catalyst to connect us in heart and mind. So unity is a process. Oneness should be the product. Unity depends upon an event. Oneness transcends an event and knits people together. In unity, people assemble for a common cause or interest. It could even be a football game. In oneness, people are integrated for kingdom purpose. Unity is the means, oneness is the end. Unity is how we should start, oneness is how we should finish. Unity is built upon encouragement, oneness is built upon purpose. Unity releases temporary momentum, oneness creates synergy that maximizes purpose. The eighth point, in oneness, believers are connected in their hearts and minds in unity, they're merely connected together in a physical building for a common cause or event. Jesus continues his prayer. Verse 22, And the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one. Note, not just unified, just as we are one. And so as the Father and Son and Holy Spirit are one, that Trinitarian oneness, God is praying for us to be one with him, but with one another. That's powerful. Imagine that. We should be one, not just church members, but one. Not just attendees, but one. Not just do ministry together, but do life together. God is calling for us to be one with the body of Christ, especially the local church we're called to. COVID has tried to fight against that. There are many people who are scattered. I pray the lost and scattered sheep come back and don't get into bad habits and don't allow fear to stop them from coming back to church unless they have underlining conditions. Or there's another thing that uh, we can't even get into now because of a lack of time. So then he says, the glory which you've given me, I've given them that they may be one just as we are one. And so when Christians fight against each other, they don't bring glory to God. God is not pleased. And really, when we look at the body of Christ, we all come from different backgrounds. Some of us served time in prison. Some of us were brought up with a silver spoon in our mouth. Some of us have high education, no education, a lot of money, no money. Some are black, some are white, some are yellow, some are brown. Uh, it doesn't matter. God has brought us all together. When we talk about women, when we talk about men, when we talk about an older generation, a younger generation, we really shouldn't get along because of our diverse backgrounds. But here Jesus says, and the glory that you've given me, I have given them that they may be one as we are one. Wow, that's quite amazing. It takes a miracle to be one. And when our church and the churches like us, which are multi-ethnic, different colors and ethnicities and economic backgrounds, and we come together by the hundreds every single week, that's a miracle. That's something the world can't accomplish. Even when people in sports are together for a game, 
they work together, but oftentimes when they go hang out afterwards, the people of the same ethnicity and culture stick together. But in the church, we see us really loving and working together and being one. Well, that's because God has given us his glory. It takes a miracle. That's one of the greatest signs that Jesus Christ is Lord, as opposed to the false lords, kings, and Caesars of the world who, like Rome and like Babylon, like Persia, like Egypt, tried to unite the world together through political power and might or through the worship of their king as a god. But Jesus became assigned to the powers, and the church is assigned to the principalities and powers of the manifold wisdom of God. It tells us in Ephesians 3.10, primarily because, as we see in Ephesians 2, there is no wall of hostility between different ethnicities, not only between Jew and Greek, but between all ethnicities, between slave-free, women, men. We're all one in Christ, it tells us in Galatians 3.28 and 29. So that's the greatest sign to the powers in the heavens and the political powers on the earth that Jesus is Lord because of our unity and oneness. When we lack that, we're not showing the world that Jesus and the gospel is true. Verse 23, Jesus continues his prayer. I in them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. The word perfect in the Greek is the word teleos. It means to be mature. So what Jesus is praying is that we will be mature as we become one. You are immature if you can't get along with anybody, if you can't give in to anybody, if you're always offended, if you have uh, thin skin, if you can't be corrected, if you're always jumping from one friend or one church to another, it just shows a lack of emotional maturity. The fact that you're always blaming other people. It's always someone else's fault, but yet there was always uh, uh, an excuse for you. So oneness is a sign of maturity, and to the extent that you stick it out, no matter how challenging sometimes it gets relationally, I'm not talking about physical, verbal, and sexual abuse, but I'm talking about the, you know, the typical dynamics that take place in conflict uh, between people when they don't want to have uncomfortable conversations, when they're not transparent, when they're not humble, when they're not walking in love and humility towards one another. Uh, what happens is we stay immature. But here Jesus is saying that we will become perfect or mature in oneness. By isolating yourself, you're not going to mature. By running from that church all the time, you're not going to be mature. You're not going to be mature just from listening to sermons on online or on television or just from a good Bible study. You're going to be mature through the process of having covenant and being one with people. In the original Greek, it actually has to do with a process of being made mature. It never is a final thing but continues on throughout eternity. All right, so this astonishing verse means that I cannot grow and mature without the local church. I don't care how much you pay for your Bible, if you're on Bible Hub, the Bible Project, whatever it is, your maturity will always be gauged based on the level of oneness and maturity you have with others in the local church. This is why sending people away to Bible school doesn't make them leaders. Uh, oftentimes just fills their head with knowledge. Leaders have to be raised up in the context of the local church.
All right. And then Jesus continues. And the world will know that you've sent me after we forgive each other, after we love each other, when these different backgrounds of people, cultural and religious and ethnic backgrounds all come together, the world is going to know that Jesus was truly sent. And not only sent, but that you love them as much as you love me. Isn't that amazing? Our oneness demonstrates the gospel is true. And to the extent that we are one with the church, to that extent are we going to understand the fullness of the love of the Father, that he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. So part of the love of the Father comes from other people by implication. It's not just directly from heaven to you, but through other people. Through the oneness of the church, we realize that God the Father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Get back in church. Get in covenant. Stop isolating yourself. Understand that you'll never fully mature and release your purpose in life if you isolate and detach yourself from the local church. While the world has philosophies that pit people against each other, ethnic people against each other, economics, uh, creating class warfare, dividing humanity along the lines of race and economics. The gospel has the power. The gospel alone has the power to make us one. And that's the greatest sign that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and was sent from the Father. So as we close, ask yourself the question, are you as connected to the local church as you should be? Have you allowed COVID to be an excuse to disconnect and unplug from the body of Christ? Through, even if you have reasons to not come out physically, have you been involved in the prayer meetings through Zoom and small groups, or are you just with your own family? We need to connect now. Your maturity is at stake. The health of the church is at stake. Even the health of our nation is at stake because as the church goes, so goes the world. Finally, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? The Bible tells us if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and that Jesus is truly the Lord, you will be saved. If you believe Jesus died for you, that you believe he's alive, why don't you ask him in your life now? If you want to receive Christ, let's just pray. Say, Jesus, I come to you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that you are my Lord. You are my King, my God. Please come in my life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. You prayed that prayer, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Beloved, let us know if you ask Christ in your life so we could fellowship with you, we could help you know what the next steps are. This decision now needs to be implemented by walking with God, and you need the church to do that, so we'd love to hear from you. This is Joseph Matera signing off. I hope to see you all in person real soon. God bless. Mm-hmm. 
we trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.